Good morning. It's time for the Kern County Real Estate Review on AM 1560, FM 97.7, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. With Kern County's most listened to realtor and the host of our show, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker. Consistently ranked as one of the best in the business nationwide and our KNZR expert. Lori's been selling real estate in Kern County for over three decades, during which time she successfully helped over 11,000 families meet their real estate needs. So if you're thinking of buying or selling, there's no better choice than the McCarty Group. Working with an expert makes the process easy and puts more money in your pocket. Just Google the McCarty Group, that's M-C-C-A-R-T-Y, or call 6 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. And she or one of her partners will be delighted to help you and let them make you their next success story. And good morning to you, Lori. Good morning, Adelaide. How are you this morning? I'm doing excellent. I need some advice real quick. Okay. Next weekend, Father's Day. Yes. What do you get for? The man who has everything? Yes, yes. Well, in my case, (laughs) I'm getting him a visit. Oh, that'll be sweet. That'll be very sweet. In fact, all of my sisters uh, and I are showing up for Father's Day weekend. That'll be the best present ever. Aside from that, you know, my dad used to tell me, I don't need anything. I just need a pack of gum. A pack of gum? A pack of gum. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I'll remember that. And then I got to tell my kid. Yeah. What are you getting me? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Your love is plenty. Of course. And clean your room. Uh-huh. And, 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 and. yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Lori, for that. But how's your weekend going so far? Oh, it's extremely active. I've already had one appointment before coming to the studio, and I have another one after I leave here. I love it when I have a full day. It sure keeps me out of trouble. Um, what are you going to be doing after the show? After the show, I mean, I think we're just hanging out by the pool. Doing oh. nothing exciting. Yeah, I just want to take it easy. Fun and relaxing and truly enjoyable. And I've got my SPF ninety nine. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I don't want to burn. <laughs> no, absolutely not. That's no way to start out the summer. Mm-mm. So hey, so there's no guest in the studio today. Um, what are we talking about today, Lori? Well, today I thought it would be good to talk about some of the common real estate myths, and then hopefully be able to debunk them for all of our listeners. You know, with reality TV shows like Million Dollar Listing and Selling Sunset, making real estate appear to be all glitz and glamour, and with social media being a place where everyone voices their opinions, and of course, you know, it's usually feeling, not fact, Mm. that's being posted, and with the omniscient, all-knowing search engine Google serving up answers at your fingertips... I think many buyers and sellers think that they know all there is to know about buying and selling real estate because of these resources. And unfortunately, and and I hope to let all of you down gently, a lot of the stuff that you're led to believe about real estate simply isn't true. Mm. 
Um, so although we've come to rely on internet search engines and and of course just because you find it on the web doesn't make it true mm. so I I thought today I'd do my best to set the record straight for everyone and hey if there are any fellow agents out there that are listening and you think I missed something give me a call and we'll be sure to include it when we cover this topic again because new real estate myths arise constantly that are always going to need to be debunked in the future. Mm, that sounds like a great topic for today, Lori. And I'm looking forward to your myth-busting cause. I'm sure we all believe some real estate myths. You're right, Adelaide. <laughs> and, and before we get into the myth-busting, mm. I wanted to share a real estate news mm, update. Okay. Redfin recently released a report of U.S. migration hotspots where homes are still relatively affordable. As a record share of home buyers move to different parts of the country, prices in popular destinations like Miami and Phoenix have really shot up. But buyers can still turn to a few hotspots to find homes that are priced below the national medium. Hmm. 32% of home buyers nationwide look to move to a different metro area in April, which was hmm. close to the all time high of 32.3% that was set in the first quarter of this year. Mm. So as home buyers relocate at unprecedented levels, home prices in many once affordable metros have really surged and they've priced out would-be buyers. And that's a dynamic that unfortunately is being exacerbated by the rising mortgage rates. Mm. But there are a handful of popular migration destinations that are still relatively affordable. Redfin's report highlights eight U.S. migration cities where homes are still affordable. And guess which city made the list? Hmm, let me guess. Is it the town that Buck Owens called home and sang a hit song about its streets? You're guessing the right town. All right. <laughs> Bakersfield ranked fifth on the list of popular migration destinations where home prices are below the national medium. Okay. So while these migration destinations are attracting relocating buyers... Redfin also points out a potential downside. These destination cities may be affordable for people moving in from much more expensive areas, like in our case, Los Angeles and San Francisco. However, many locals are starting to get priced out of the market. Mm. And if we think about it, that makes sense because home price growth is outpacing income or wage growth. So over the past year, Home price growth has increased by 20.6%, and this is four times greater than the income or wage growth, which has only increased by 4.8%. Now, these numbers are national averages, so keep that in mind. We're a little different here locally. Gee, wow. Now, that's a big disparity between wage growth and home price appreciation. I mean, don't you think? Lauren? Yeah, I, I do. There's definitely a noticeable gap between the two. And while these statistics might be a bit of a shock, or they may just be confirmation for what many buyers are already feeling, I don't think it should deter someone from buying. Hmm. There are so many programs out there to help with making homeownership a reality. If you don't have a lender that you're working with, give our office a call and we'll connect you with one of our trusted lenders, some of the best in the business. Now, looking at the clock, Adelaide, I think it's time for us to take a break. So when we get back, I'm going to dive into some of the myths surrounding the purchase of a home, and I'm going to begin debunking them. So be sure and stay tuned. 
You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And to reach Lori, you can call her or her team anytime at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or you can go to her website at themccartygroup.com where you can tour all the properties available in Kern County from the comfort of your couch. Request an in-person tour, find out the value of your home, and see the McCarty Group's success stories. Ranked number eight in North America for Coldwell Banker last year and the only Kern County realtor to be listed in the Wall Street Journal's Top 100 Agents for 2021, she is truly an expert in her field. Her desire, as well as that of her team, is to not only achieve their clients' goals, but to exceed their expectations. So let them do just that. And we'll be right back with the Kern County Real Estate Review here on KNZR. Hi, Dennis Prager here for Lori McCarty, host of the Kern County Real Estate Review. If you've got questions about real estate, she's got answers. Tune in every Sunday at 8 a.m. right here on KNZR, 1560 AM, 97.7 FM. Now that's smart. We're back this morning with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group on the Kern County Real Estate Review here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And now, Lori, before we jump into our topic today, I had a question for you. So with it almost being summertime, is now a good time to sell? I mean, is it true that as the temperatures heat up, so does the housing market? Oh, great question, Adelaide. You know, historically speaking... Spring and summer are the best times to list your home. A lot of families consider moving during the summer because the kids are out of school and they want to get into a new home and possibly even a new school district prior to the start of a new school year. By moving in the summer, it disrupts their children's schedule a little bit less. Although, interestingly enough, studies have shown that if you're moving to a different city or a different school district, you might want to consider moving during the school year because sometimes it's easier for your children to make new friends at school rather than seek them out in the neighborhood. You know, Mm. in a school setting, they already know those kids in their classroom, and typically with neighborhood schools, those children live nearby them. Okay. Now, as long as you've selected a, a great agent who has a fantastic marketing plan for your home, you really can get away with selling your home any time of the year, but it just might be a little bit faster if you list during this time. Mm, Very good. Very good. Now, if people are wanting to list this summer and get their house sold during their child's summer break, when should they reach out to you? Now, now, now. (laughs) No, honestly, I would recommend that they go ahead and give our office a call now. Mm. Um, So even though summer is just getting started and the kids have only been out of school for a little bit, I really wouldn't recommend waiting very long. Take advantage of this market. It is still a strong seller's market, although inventory is starting to increase. Mm, So 
What if they uh, want to purchase that replacement home too, though? Oh, that's even more of a reason for them to call our office sooner rather than later. Don't wait till the end of summer and then try to scramble to find a replacement home before the new school year starts. Like I said, it's a seller's market now, but it could shift. So if you're thinking of listing this summer, there's no better time than now. Hmm, all right. Well, great advice, Lori. And so are you ready to get into those real estate myths you mentioned earlier? Oh, definitely. So let's start by talking about myths that surround the buying side first. Um, and remember, even if you're not planning on buying anytime soon, there's still lots to learn for when you are. Chances are you currently believe at least one of these myths that we're going to discuss today. And hopefully by the end of the show, you'll discover the real truth. So first on the list, the number one myth that buyers face when purchasing a home is that down payment is your only upfront cost when purchasing. I I can absolutely see why people would believe that this is true. I mean, really, you work so hard saving up for the down payment, and oftentimes that's the biggest hurdle for buyers before they buy a home. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's not the only upfront cost you're going to face. Oh, so there's more. So besides this 20% you save up, what are the other costs? I mean, what, what more is there? Well, okay, so now that 20% down payment that you just mentioned, that's another myth that I want to tackle, mm. but we're going to circle back to that in a few minutes. Now, as a buyer, in addition to your down payment, you also have to budget for a home inspection, a termite inspection, the appraisal to value your property, and then closing costs. Mm. So the cost for each of these items varies, and your down payment, unfortunately, doesn't cover any of those items. So keep in mind, closing costs are negotiable, so you can ask the seller to pay them. However, we're currently in a seller's market, so chances are if your offer to purchase a home includes that the seller is responsible for some or all of the costs I mentioned, chances are your offer is not going to be accepted. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just simply too competitive out there right now to be able to negotiate additional closing costs to be paid by the seller. Hmm. Um, don't fret, though. There are some other options. So if you're short on closing costs, get with your lender. There are programs that can assist you, and you can talk about an FHA loan where some of the closing costs can be added to the loan. Okay, good. Good to know uh, that we need to be budgeting for more than just the down payment because I know I've bought a few houses. Yep. And it's always like that you know, they'll call you up and be like, "Oh, hey, you know how you pay the inspection fee?" Yeah. <laughs> well, there's an added fee for some something, something. Now there's a re-inspection fee. And you're right. just like, "What? <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay. But I mean, but at, at the end of the day, obviously it's worth it, but mentally be prepared. Right. All right. So, now what about this 20% down payment? being a myth. Well, honestly, many people believe that you need to save up 20% of the home purchase price for your down payment. And if you're able to do this, great. However, it's no longer the norm and it's not mandatory. Depending on the type of loan you qualify for, you may only need to put down as little as 3% or 3.5%. So you can get in for a very low down payment. Three, three and a half percent is a whole lot less than 20%. 
Now, the downside to this is that you will have to pay private mortgage insurance if you have a conventional loan or a mortgage insurance premium if you have an FHA loan. So private mortgage insurance, PMI, is a type of insurance that conventional mortgage lenders require when home buyers put down less than 20% of the home's purchase price. That's where people get the idea that they've got to come in with at least 20% mm-hmm. down. Mortgage insurance is designed to protect the lender in the event that the homeowner defaults on the loan. It doesn't protect you as the borrower. So while it doesn't protect you from foreclosure, it does allow prospective home buyers to become homeowners even if they can't afford that 20% down payment. And as home prices rise, that 20% is becoming bigger and bigger. So getting in with a lower down payment may just be the way to start your journey to home ownership. Yes. And, uh, oh, sorry. No, no, you're, you're welcome to interrupt anything I was going to say, say <laughs> my first home, I did have 20% down uh-huh. because my parents were smart enough to be like, okay, we're starting your, your nest egg, you know, right. back, which I pitched into too. Right. You know, so, we, so, so it helped me grow that. But after I bought homes with the 3% down mm-hmm. in the PMI, so, and I'm not throwing any advice out there. I'm just saying I've done it both ways. Uh-huh. And financially, that monthly payment didn't really make a big difference. Right. Like it wasn't a huge cost. And if I didn't go the, the, the lower down payment route, I might not have been in this next house. Absolutely. And yeah. keep in mind, a lender is not going to let you qualify for that house mm-hmm. if you can't afford those payments, including the private mortgage insurance. Yes. Now, that additional fee that you pay, it's meant to protect the lender's financial interest in case you default on the loan, not your financial interest. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So okay. now you're stuck with these extra fees. Now, is it the the entire duration of the loan? Well, it all depends. It depends on your loan type. So if it's an FHA loan, yes, you are. But if it's a conventional loan, it will eventually go away. Once you've reached 20% equity, either through paying down your loan balance over time or through rising home values. You can contact your loan servicer, the person that you pay your mortgage payments to, about removing private mortgage insurance from your mortgage. So there's a a guideline that says servicers must terminate private mortgage insurance, or PMI, on the date that your loan balance is scheduled to reach 78% of the home's original value. I'm glad you brought that up, too, because I've done that as well. Mm-hmm. Because when we see home prices grow like they've been, right. you could probably get out of that PMI earlier than you think. Yes. Yeah. And yes. let me ask you this. Now, you're, you're, when you talk about your loan company, your mortgage mm-hmm. company, mm-hmm. Are, are, they, are they the ones providing PMI, or is it a separate company? No, it is a separate private mortgage insurance company. Okay. There are a couple of different ones uh, that provide them for all of the, the mortgages throughout the nation. Perfect. And the reason I ask is because when you call your mortgage company, it's not going to hurt their feelings whether you pay that PMI or not. No, so, not at so all. So try to get rid of it and, and stay on top of it, too, because... You don't want to miss out. And- Absolutely. I mean, think about it this way, Adelaide. If you had bought a home in 2020 here in Bakersfield, by 2022, you would have been in a position with appreciation to eliminate private mortgage insurance from your home. Yeah. Earlier in the show, you mentioned yeah. home prices have gone up 20%. Yeah. That's what you need to get rid of the PMI. So, Absolutely. Mental note, think about that. And if you've been in your house and you're listening right now, 
and you've been in it for a year, year and a half, and you're paying PMI, check it out. Talk to your servicer. Yes, definitely. See if you don't fall within those guidelines. Oh, yeah. And then buy me and Lori lunch. Yeah, absolutely. Just saying. saying. Yeah. We'll have to figure out where we want to go. No, I wasn't. But anyway. (laughs) All right. So then the next myth I want to address also has to do with costs. But these are costs you incur after you become a homeowner. So many people think buying a new home means few repairs for years to come. Well, unfortunately, this just isn't true. Um, modern home builders build quickly and with the least expense in order to maximize their profits and to move on to the next project when we're talking about Mm. production builders. And there are some hidden expenses of building a new home. Quick builds are designed to maximize profits and they can result in homes with, unfortunately, some lower quality craftsmanship and some important construction details being overlooked. So you've got speed over quality many times. And what does this lead to? Future repairs. Mm-hmm. I have an example. Oh. I remember back in 06, 07, remember the building craze? That uh-huh. was the one we had. And I remember going to my buddy's house, and it was it was maybe three months old. Okay. But you had to wear your shoes in the house. Because? because because they put the cheap carpet in, so the nails, the tacks would poke every time oh, you walked by. No. And I'm like, dude, this house is like brand new. He's like, yeah, I know. We're gonna have Ouch. to fix that. We're gonna Ouch. Have to fix that. Yeah, that that hurts my feet just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, right. And now, um, and it was brand new. But is there any way to prevent running into a long list of repairs early on these new builds? Well, absolutely. You can employ a home inspector that specializes in new home construction that can discover potential problems such as. Walls with little soundproofing or marble countertops that haven't been properly sealed. Mm. You want to get these things identified and fixed before you close on your new home. I bet a home inspector could have figured out that you didn't have enough padding or the tack strip there. The carpet was (laughs) rather thin so that you could have felt those nails, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. An ouchy potential. Yeah, absolutely. So another real estate myth that I'm seeing uh, is a bit unique to this market. And that is that buyers are thinking that they'll get a better deal if they don't use an agent. Mm. I I know this market is competitive and it's making buyers do some crazy things. But thinking you're going to get a better deal by not using an agent, frankly, this couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, Mm. really, when you think about it, does buying a house without an agent really save you money? Well, the short answer is no. Because agent commission for both the buying and the selling agent is typically paid for by the sellers. Mm. So this means that as a buyer, unless you have a buyer-broker agreement, you have the advantage of having a skilled professional guiding you through the transaction while their fee is being paid by the seller of the home that you eventually choose to purchase. And honestly, there's a reason that 88% of buyers choose to work with the realtor makes Mm. sense right Mm -hmm. also if you keep in mind buyers not using an agent doesn't make your offer any more competitive in fact it might make your make your offer less attractive because the agent representing the seller is then wondering what what's going to happen when you need assistance you need guidance and you don't have anyone on your And end. is the check going to clear? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
thinking that too. I'm like, okay, this guy doesn't doesn't have an agent. It's a handshake deal. I mean, does he know about paperwork? Well, mm. there is all that. Mm. So, so why work with an agent when you're buying? Well, honestly, the benefits of working with an agent as a buyer are largely the same as the benefits of working with an agent as a seller. They help you negotiate a fair price. They give you access to all the latest listings, and they can help you find homes that meet your budget and needs. Um, they can walk through the homes with you and give you professional input. And as Adelaide said, they can take care of every bit of that paperwork <laughs> for you, making sure that I's are dotted and T's are crossed. Yes, and to add to the list, they become your friend while you're looking. <laughs> Absolutely, they do. And that is, that's great advice, Lori. Thank uh, you. Yo, you bet. Thank you. Okay, so another myth I see popping up a lot in this market is that if you see a home online, that it's listed for sale. It must mean it's available. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Houses are selling so quickly that what you're seeing online usually isn't up to date. I mean, many, many major um, real estate sites such as Zillow, Realtor.com, Homes.com, etc., they are all aggregator sites, meaning that they're gathering as many listings as possible, both from the MLS and from public record data. Um, but these sites aren't always the most up-to-date. So depending on how often they refresh their data will depend on whether what you're seeing is accurate or not. In addition to that, sites like Zillow and Realtor.com don't always delete a listing once it's been sold meaning they have many off-market listings hmm. or homes that aren't actively for sale. I think about that, too. And, and Zillow is a website mm -hmm. that sells ads that needs traffic. Absolutely. So, yeah, so that's good to, to think about. Like, oh, okay, is it really for sale? Exactly. So no matter what site you're searching on, I think it's really important to pay attention to the status of the home. A listing that is labeled active or new is still likely fair game, though your best bet is to always check with your agent. They're going to have the most up-to-date information on a property. And many times we've seen it happen that in the morning it's available and in the afternoon it is sold. <laughs> so again, stay in touch with your agent. Now, if a property is showing contingent on a website, that typically means that an offer has been accepted, but that there are certain requirements, contingencies, circumstances that need to be met before the sale can go through. If those contingencies are not met, then there is a chance that the property could become active again if there aren't any backup offers waiting to move into the next spot. Ooh, I'm going to I'm going to mention one more. Mm -hmm. Pending. Yes. What does that mean? Does that mean it's the deal's done, don't look? Mm, that means that they have an accepted offer mm. without contingencies ah. waiting to close escrow. Does it mean it's a done deal? No. It doesn't mean it's a done deal until it is actually closed. Okay. Because unfortunately things do happen and transactions that are pending do fall out of escrow. Okay. But generally speaking, it is probably less available than a contingent property is. Okay. 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 Gotcha. Gotcha. And and you know what? I say keep an eye on those sites, but also talking about an agent Call your agent. I Absolutely. Mean, Lori, if, if, if I'm a buyer and you're my agent, how often can I call you? 
as often as you need. <laughs> so every couple of hours, yep. anything new on the market? Anything new. Anything, anything new on the market? <laughs> Here's the beauty. We usually set you up with a portal so that you can see as well Ooh. anything that's new. Okay, right? so that's even better, too. So, so you got it, it is. That way, if I'm in an appointment and can't answer my phone, it's sending it to you at the same time it's sending it to me. Yes, and you talk about up up in the morning, sold mm-hmm. by the evening. Yep. You, you there's going to be some responsibility on your part too. Absolutely. <laughs> look, look all the time. So right now I have uh, gotten out of all of our episodes together, Zillow, and we're kind of talking about it. It's mm-hmm. not the most reliable source. Well, <laughs> you're right, Adelaide. I mean, frankly, uh, I don't think that any online source is as accurate as it could be. Um, when you talk about Zillow, it's really fun to look at. It's kind of like scrolling through Facebook or browsing on Pinterest, right? I'm a big Instagram uh, user, so I yep. love looking at all the Lori cool underscore stuff. McCarty. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, but if you're a serious buyer, honestly, you shouldn't be looking to Zillow for information. Turn to your trusted real estate professional. Mm-hmm. They've got your best interest at heart. Use them. Mm-hmm. Okay? Absolutely. Now, a little bit earlier in the show, we were talking about selling during uh, summer when your kids are on school break. Um, Now, if you don't have children, you may think that schools and school districts don't matter at all when you're buying. Mm. Well, I have to tell you, uh, this is a huge myth. Um, Let's face it, homes in the best school districts cost significantly more, generally about $50 a square foot more, according to Redfin than those that are in districts where test scores are average or worse. So even if you don't have kids, um, I, I, I know, or I guess I should say, if you don't have kids, it can be tempting to look at getting more house for your money in an area where there's only average education standards. But when it comes to reselling your home, those that are in better school districts are going to hold their value better and give you a better return on your investment. So if it's within your budget, I would strongly consider that buying in a good school district becomes one of your must-have criteria when you're looking to purchase. All right. Well, I have one thing that I'm wondering, if it's fact or fiction. Mm -hmm. Buying versus selling, is it always a better financially to buy rather than rent? Um, Well... You know, as much as I would love to say that it is always better to buy, uh, it's not true. Mm. It is a myth to think that um, buying is always a better option for you than renting a home. Um, Buying a home can be a great investment if you stay in it long enough to see a profit. So how do you figure that out for yourself? Well, to find out if renting will be cheaper than buying over the long haul, you want to figure out the total of what a purchased home will cost you during the time you plan to own it. You've got to calculate your upfront costs, such as closing costs, insurance, interest, and maintenance. You have to figure all that into your long-term cost comparison, as opposed to renting something that's very similar. You have to also remember to add in the costs of selling your home into your calculations such as realtor commissions and your standard seller closing costs. If you compare the amount of the monthly rent that you'd pay for a similar home plus rental insurance during the same time period, you can easily see, okay, um, 
over a course of a few years, whether renting a home or owning a home is going to be better for you. You know, I suspect, I haven't done that analysis lately, but I suspect with our high cost of renting right now, even today, it's probably better to continue to purchase rather than to rent. Mm -hmm. But if you only plan to stay for just a year or two, it, it could actually cost more to buy than to rent. One thing is for certain, however, if you are renting, you're not going to have the ability to take advantage of housing appreciation on the home you're living in. That perk is only available to homeowners. So in a market like we're currently experiencing, honestly, I think it probably makes more sense to own than rent. But if you need help figuring that out, call us or call mm -hmm. your trusted realtor. They'll be happy to help you figure it out. What's Is there an average uh, year length, a time span that people buy and sell move no it varies dep oh yeah. that they do like, i thought you might mean you know to figure this calculation out oh, oh, okay. um it, the average used to be five to seven years we're okay. seeing that lengthen now okay um, okay you know it's just it's expensive to move mm, okay okay so so yeah so if you're staying in a place for over five years mm -hmm. okay okay right Very so cool. now another myth that i I really want to address is that you should always offer less than you're willing to pay so you have room to negotiate. I mean, that might have been the standard years ago, but in this seller's market, that is a totally false proposition. You probably aren't going to get your offer accepted if that's your negotiating pattern. Um, you know, we can argue that there is a time and a place for lower offers, but frankly, those situations are not what we're currently experiencing in the market. And you need to think through very carefully how you're preparing your offer and what the ramifications of it might be. Usually low offers in a strong seller's market can make your offer less likely to be accepted because you run the risk of possibly offending the seller or more likely, there's going to be competing offers on the table from those who decided to go in with a strong offer initially. I mean, oftentimes we see people making their first offer on a property in today's market coming in above list mm. price in an effort to hopefully block anybody who comes in with just a full price offer and to, to eliminate that possibility of highest and best offers, creating that bidding war frenzy, right? Mm -hmm. um, you have to remember that while offering less on a home you want could help you save money, it, it could also lead to you missing out on your dream home. Mm -hmm. I mean, if your offer isn't accepted, uh, there's not going to be any home to negotiate for. Yes. So, Work with your agent to make a competitive offer based on factors like your budget, the asking price, the home's condition, the current market situation, which mm -hmm. I think is the most critical factor, and then whatever other factors are appropriate. Now, I got to be honest. There's a certain person that comes to mind when you talk about the low offer. Uh-huh. Like, I know somebody that does this all the time. They've done it, and, and you're just like, that. that's an old mindset, I think, in this market. And and honestly, five to ten years ago, that worked ter mm. terrifically. Yeah, that was how we sold real estate. We priced it up here 
to get an offer down here to mm-hmm. negotiate somewhere in between. Yes. And while offers, we, we tell buyers, yes, prices are still negotiable. But most of the time, we start at list price and go up from there. Yes. That is the market that we're yeah. in today. And there's nothing worse of, than, than missing out no. on something for right. a few for thousands of maybe ten grand, but not a huge difference in your payment. Absolutely not. And you're going to recoup that yeah. in appreciation probably yeah. within the year. I given what we've experienced <laughs> lately, <laughs> absolutely maybe <even> sooner. <laughs> so for those of you that are thinking about buying, I think these are the top myths that I wanted to address for you. Let's go ahead and take a short break, and when we get back, I'm going to address all the myths that surround selling your home. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you've even thought about selling, you're not going to want to miss the next segment because there are many myths that you might or might not have thought of. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR. We'll be right back. You're listening to KNZR, 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And we're back this morning with the Kern County Real Estate Review, featuring our host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group. For all your real estate questions, call Lori at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or go online to themccartygroup.com. You can also follow Lori on social media. For Facebook, follow her at The McCarty Group or on Instagram at Lori underscore McCarty. And to keep up with all the real estate news in Kern County, you can follow this show on Facebook and Instagram at The Kern County Real Estate Review. There you can also submit questions you'd like Lori to answer on air or suggest topics you'd like her to cover on Saturday mornings. And this morning, we're talking about real estate myths, and Lori is debunking them. Now, before the break, Lori said she would be discussing myths surrounding selling your home. So what is the first myth all of our sellers need debunked? Well, Adelaide, one that I hear quite often is that selling your home for sale by owner will save you money. Unfortunately, this really is a myth. Many sellers attempt to go it alone instead of hiring an agent so that they can save on commission costs, only to find out that it's not as easy as sticking a for sale sign in their front yard or snapping a few photos of the home. In reality, buy owner sellers often run the risk of losing money, and it can happen in several ways. So, for example, without the expertise of a professional, Individual sellers can price their home too high, meaning it could take months to receive an offer and the property could become overexposed or shopworn, resulting in a lower price than if it had been priced right from the beginning. And then on the flip side, on their own, sellers could price the home too low and leave money on the table. I've seen it happen. You've heard of buyer's remorse. Well, Seller's remorse is a real thing, too. That is, when looking back, you realize that you sold your home for far less than it was worth and missed out on thousands of dollars. You know, I found it interesting. Statistics show that for sell-by-owner homes tend to sell for approximately, hold on to your hat, people, 26% Mm. less than agent-assisted homes 
which by any calculation negates the argument of commission savings. <laughs> I don't know a single agent charging 26%. Ooh. Okay. Um, now, in 2020, homes sold with the help of an agent went for 295000 on average, whereas by-owner homes sold for an average of 217900 That's a huge disparity. Some other statistics that are worth noting for those of you that are thinking about going it alone, for sale by owner only accounts for a small percentage of all home sales. By owner sellers represented only 8% of all home sales in 2020, according to a large annual survey by the National Association of Realtors. So fortunately, I think we're getting this consumer uh, service information out there because the popularity of for sale by owner has been declining over time. We see that from 1981 to 2020, for sale by owner sales dropped from 15% of all sales to 8%, according to the National Association of Realtors. And I believe that that is really because real estate transactions are becoming far more complicated than they once were. Yeah, it's interesting. You you talked about putting the sign in the front, putting the stick out there. You're like, okay, it's a little more than that. And even, hey, I'm going to post on my social media my house is for sale. It's going to take more than that too. Exactly. Uh, as as an owner trying to sell a home, you don't have the resources of an agent. You don't. Yeah, you don't. It's, yeah. So, I, I, and I feel like if you do try it, there's going to be some frustration happening. Uh huh. Yes, <laughs> you know, I so. think I think that is a Whew. given. That yeah. is a given. Now. Lori, what if you have bought and sold a home before? Mm-hmm. You know the drill, you'll be a pro this next time around, right? I mean, <laughs> you might be able to get away with doing it for sale by owner, though. Do people well, think that? Well, people think that. They do. They absolutely do. Unfortunately, buying or selling a home isn't like riding a bike. Well, I guess it is if you hop back on the bike and realize that everything about riding a bike is now totally different, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, because... As I just mentioned, the buying and selling process, it changes over time, and the local market is constantly fluctuating. We don't sell houses today the way we sold houses in 2019 before a pandemic. And so these new processes and the market conditions lead to a totally different buying or selling experience than the one that you had in your last real estate transaction, unless you just did it last week. (laughs) Um, So... Honestly, I think you're going to feel like a first-time buyer or seller all over again, especially if it's been a while since the last time you went through the process. Um, The real estate market is constantly changing. Our technology that we use is always evolving. And honestly, you have to stay on top of the real estate trends. Just because you bought or sold years ago um, or even a year ago, doesn't necessarily mean that you know it all right now. Mm. I, I Here's a classic example. Um, I hear a lot of people saying that the highest priced offer is always the best offer, especially in a market where we are often faced with multiple offers. Many buyers and sellers believe that if I just come in with the best offer, that's going to be the one that gets mm. me the property, right? But frankly... That's not the case. There, When you have a trained professional marketing your property and looking and evaluating these offers, um, 
there are many other factors that they've got to consider within an offer besides just the price. They want to look at, has the buyer removed contingencies such as a home inspection? What about the appraisal? Have they guaranteed a dollar amount over the potential appraised value in the event the appraisal comes in low? Something that also has to be considered is that the highest offer is not the best offer if you have to spend more than the difference to comply with whatever buyer's requests there are as a condition of the sale. If the buyer says, I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars, but in return I need you to do A, B, C, D, and E, and A, B, C, D, and E amount to more than how much higher the buyer's offer was, mm-hmm. that's not worth taking, is it? Nope. Um, here is Here's some other things you have to think about in that process. If a buyer wants you to move out sooner than you had planned, uh, that could cause you to have to rent storage, pay for a hotel room, incur other expenses that might not make that higher offer worth the value that you're getting. Mm. And just with that highest offer too, that's what I feel like as a seller, you're like, oh, that's a great offer. But those little details, you're mm-hmm. going to need that professional eye to actually go through that and look for these things. Right. Like, Somebody who's oh, been through this more than once every five to seven to 10 years. Yes. Right? Yes. Because I just, I'm as a normal person, whatever, I'm just like, oh, that's great. It's, you know, 20 grand over what I'm asking. Let's Absolutely. take it. Let's yeah. go. And it's like, when in reality, it might be the offer that's 15 grand over what you're asking that is the more solid deal. Yes, yes. So, so yeah, the keen professional eye, that's what you need. So, what about home renovations? Now, is it true that if you renovate your home before selling, you'll get a dollar for dollar return on your investment? Gosh, I wish that were so. (laughs) Um, So, we talk uh, an awful lot about home renovations and repairs on this show. And we talk an awful lot about getting your home ready to sell. But unfortunately, you don't always get dollar-for-dollar return on renovations. While it's tempting to think that doing a bathroom update here or putting new carpet there is going to be worth the investment, and then some when you sell your home, sometimes, not always, but sometimes, it's wishful thinking. So not all home improvements generate an equal return on investment. Now, that's not to say that pre-sale renovations are always a bad idea because they're not. But even if they don't, if you don't get a dollar-for-dollar return, oftentimes these updates make the home more appealing and help it sell faster, which is also going to be a huge bonus in and of itself. So if you plan to sell your home soon and you're thinking about making improvements prior to the listing, call our office first. We'll guide you on what repairs will get you the most bang for your buck. Hmm, good. Now, what if there's sellers, I'm thinking like me, mm-hmm. <laughs> that just want to skip the prepping, get it ready to be listed, and just get it on the market as is? Okay, so not preparing your home at all is not an option either. <sighs> okay, <laughs> We don't want to overdo it one way or the other. Mm. Uh, I understand your motivation to get the home on the market as quickly as possible. However... Sellers that think no preparation is acceptable really aren't thinking clearly, unless their home shows like a model home 24-7. And then, absolutely, we can put it on the market immediately. So this is one real estate myth that homes don't need to be prepared for sale that can actually cost a seller thousands of dollars. 
And just by doing little things, by properly preparing a home for sale, it can be the difference between it selling in a relatively quick amount of time or it's sitting on the market and developing a negative stigma. Mm-hmm. It's really important that you don't list your home before it's ready. Why? First and foremost, today's buyers are more often than not looking for a home that is in move-in condition. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it is very difficult to visualize intended repairs to a property. So even though your master bath might be under construction and you know exactly how it's going to turn out, your average buyer isn't going to be able to see that Mm. unless we can provide them with photographs of what the proposed project is going to look like once it's completed. Mm. Additionally, in this fast-paced market, the first few weeks on the market are the most critical If a home is priced properly, prepared properly, and marketed correctly, it should be under contract fairly quickly. So simple preparations such as staging tips, general cleaning, minor improvements, these can all help minimize time on market while maximizing your sales price. And this, of course, leads me to my next myth. Sellers who think their homes do not need to be prepped prior to listing are probably the same seller's that don't think professional photography is necessary. (laughs) Not true. 96% of all buyers start their home search online. What are they looking at? Photos of your home. Mm -hmm. iPhone pictures taken by your realtor simply don't cut it in today's market. Almost anyone can take a good photo, but can anyone take the best real estate photo? The answer is unequivocally no. Sure, with the push of a button, a smartphone can produce a great picture. Add some filters and it's going to look even better. However, photographs taken with an inexpensive camera or with smartphones tend to be limited and don't show the property in its best possible light. And then the same holds true for people who have the very best camera equipment in the world but have no clue on how to use it. Again, this is where a professional photographer comes in handy. Not just any photographer, though. A real estate photographer. Top real estate photographers know how to showcase a property. They know what angles pictures need to be taken from at the right time of day for the home's exposure. They also know that it needs a certain eye to produce the best possible photos. An eye that, frankly... The majority of people don't have. Um, I like to think that I'm a great photographer. I love to scrapbook and, you know, preserve all those memories. But when it comes to real estate photography, not my forte. Selling homes is. Um, Statistics show over and over again that homes with professional real estate photographs sell faster and for more money. So... If you're looking to maximize your investment, you need to make sure that the agent you choose is using someone, a professional photographer, to capture those photos of your home. Because even if a home isn't model home perfect, professional real estate photographs have a way of showcasing a home 
best features. Mm. Now, is that is that a cost for the for the seller? Or Generally, most agents absorb that cost themselves. Okay. okay, but that'll be up to a conversation with each individual agent that that you might interview. So yeah, I'd ask about that. I'm mm-hmm. thinking, one looking for an agent too. How are you going to market my home? Right. Was photography included, or is that your iPhone going right. to be <laughs> coming out? I, so okay. I I captured a photo off of a two point some odd million dollar listing that's just hideous and i i couldn't believe that someone would list a property of that magnitude and use just disappointing disappointing and and i totally agree professional photography can make all the difference in how your home is presented and that's awesome advice so what's next on our myths okay so now i have a few general myths that i want to address uh the biggest one is that all agents want to do is make a sale Hmm. um It's true that most agents are paid on a commission basis. They only bring home a paycheck if they close a deal, so no sale, no pay. But with a good agent, earning a commission isn't their goal. It's helping you solve your real estate needs, whether they be buying, selling, investing, whatever. And while that ultimately may mean us helping you buy or sell a home, we're about far more than making a commission or turning a for sale sign into a sold sign. In fact, Many great agents think of themselves more as guides or counselors than as salespeople. Mm. And that's because they're in it for the long haul, from the first contact um, to the moment that you're handed the keys to your new house and beyond. You know, we love it when clients become friends, as you mentioned earlier, or when we can stay in touch and hear how they're enjoying their new home. You know, at the end of the day, We're just people helping other people make a well-informed, life-changing decision. So you do want to make sure you have someone that has a great deal of knowledge and experience guiding you. Now, along those lines, the next myth I want to debunk is that all real estate agents make boatloads of money. Gosh, I wish that were true. (laughs) Successful real estate agents certainly can make a very nice income. However, we also have to recognize that the amount of time, effort, and money that top producing real estate agents need to put forth is significant on their part. So when someone hears that a seller paid X percent of the sales price for their home uh, in real estate fees, the general consensus is that the real estate agent representing the seller earned that entire amount, no matter what. And honestly, that's not the way commissions generally work. There are many factors that affect the percentage of commission earned by real estate agents. First and foremost is the fact that commissions are negotiable. Any real estate agent who uh, says otherwise is likely violating the rules and regulations. So for discussion purposes only, let's assume that a seller is willing to pay a 6% commission on the sale price of their home. The 6% commission is normally divided between the listing and the selling brokers. And further, for the sake of discussion, let's say it's split 50-50 with each side receiving 3%. Now, each company's real estate brokers then take a percentage or a fee off of their respective uh, commissions before distributing that commission to the real estate agents involved in the transaction. In addition to their company taking their cut, There are many expenses that a real estate agent incurs um, that most people don't realize. Things like health insurance, fuel, car maintenance, advertising, administrative expenses. 
Those are just a handful of the expenses that real estate professionals are responsible for. Hmm. So, for example, you have an administrative staff and you pay for them, not your company, right? That's correct. Um, And there are many agents that have assistants or transaction coordinators assisting them. And those agents are paying for the individual services, their payroll, their benefits, etc., not the company or corporation behind them. Mm. Now, I notice you say real estate agent and you say realtor. Are those one and the same? Adelaide, they're not. And, and it's actually a myth to assume that they are one and the same. Many people use the terms real estate agent and realtor interchangeably. I know I do it on the show all the time. Um, but there are a few key differences between them. While realtors and real estate agents may perform the same job, realtors have taken extra steps to earn their title. This involves being a member of their local association of realtors and joining the National Association of Realtors. As members of the national organization, realtors subscribe to a strict code of ethics And real estate agents are not bound to these same code of ethics. And this is a huge difference between the two. And for my money, because it usually doesn't cost you anything extra, you want to hire a realtor. Hmm, Now, the last myth, Adelaide, and then I think we'll be out of time, many people think that realtors are freelancers that work whenever they want and have an open schedule to vacation at the drop of a hat. (laughs) Wrong. But boy, I wish this one was true because I could sure use a tropical vacation right about now. (laughs) But the life of a realtor isn't exactly the same as that of a typical freelancer or contract worker. Because real estate agents and realtors are more likely to be like small business owners. Um, Yes, their schedule is often flexible, but they have to put in the work if they want their business to survive and to be successful. So while contract workers can decide when they want to work, real estate agents are often at the whim of their client schedules. That might mean working evenings or weekends or 12-hour days sometimes. Now, I know you and your team of agents work all the time. Do you guys ever take a break? Well, some of us try to squeeze in vacations in between transactions, and others simply schedule them knowing they'll likely lose business while they're gone or not get to completely relax during their vacation time. Because it's hard when you have transactions in escrow that generally represent the largest purchase or investment for their clients at any given time. Busy agents usually have transactions going on at all times, and are conscientious about their role as an advisor and a coordinator of these closings. So sneaking away for even a weekend can get tough. Mm, That makes sense. Uh, Do we have any more myths to discuss today? Well, while there are several other myths that I'd love to discuss, I I think in looking at the clock, it appears that we're going to be out of time for today. So as always, a heartfelt thanks to each of you for tuning in today and for making us a part of your schedule each and every week. Today, we've talked about some common real estate myths, and hopefully we've set the record straight for you um, that are listening. If you have any real estate questions or concerns you'd like to personally discuss, give me a call, and I'd be happy to visit with you. And if there are details of today's topic that you'd like to revisit, or if you know someone who would enjoy this information and couldn't tune in this hour, you can catch our Encore presentation each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. here on KNZR just before Sean Handy, or you can hear this and previous shows wherever you get your podcasts. 
Just search Kern County Real Estate Review and listen to your heart's content. This is Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors and your host of the Kern County Real Estate Review, wishing you and yours a blessed day and a fantastic week ahead. We'll be back next week.